5: That's a long pause of silence.
3: Okay. Yeah, um, that's, that's awkward. Talking about those awkward pauses. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <There we go>. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: the late <Lisa> show with Frankie <laughs> <Ricky> Witherman. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, one, two,
6: three, four.
0: up this morning looking for my shoes look behind the trunk found the hesitation blues. Lordy tell me how long Lord, tell me how long will I have to wait will I have to wait can I get you now can, can, can I get, get you now must I hesitate A rocking chair, brooms overtake me, rock away from here. Lord they tell me how long. Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? Down. If the blues overtake me, I'll jump in and drown. Will they tell me how long? Will tell me how long? Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now?
2: be fun. Welcome to, well, I'm going to have to agree with Willie Nelson, to a fun episode here on Francie and Friends because we are going to be live with Chuck Chapman. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this because he's in my own camping ground. Howdy. I'll tell you what. South Carolina. Woo-hoo.
6: Woo hoo! What the hell kind of <laughs> woo hoo is that? Woo hoo! Damn, hit I never heard such yeah. a woo
2: hoo is that. I mean, you're talking about yeah. South Carolina now. Say, you get on my, we know how we roll. We we roll with the players. That's all there is to it. There telling. you go. <laughs>
1: Hot
2: damn. <laughs> it's gonna be a hot damn show tonight. It's gonna be a hot See, now, and now humid show tonight. Go. Hot and humid. <laughs> That's the way we're rolling tonight. Except for No no no, that would be us hot down Florida. here in Florida. <laughs> oh yeah, you're 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 down there in Florida. You're more southern you're more second
4: More southern than South Carolina at the moment. We're we, hey, hit 95 you know we hit ninety five we hit ninety five today. <laughs>
2: what I would love yep. to hit ninety five today.
5: <laughs> we only got up to like right. seventy seven here in Michigan, so
2: Seventy seven? Yep. It's
5: kind of a cool oh, front Tom, move. Yeah. I don't
2: know. I, I I just don't understand how you're living through that heat. I mean, well, uh,
5: the rain we've had at least two or three times a day, uh, uh, two or three times a week for for the last two months. That's really throwing things off.
4: <laughs> well, don't, don't worry. The snow will be coming soon, and then you. Know, then, oh then yeah, it's I ain't
5: to
2: be... about the oh. I hate I, winter. I, As
5: I got older, I hate winter.
2: I I was the only. I spent a year in Ohio and Michigan. And I spent a winter in Michigan. I When we came back to South Carolina, everybody was like, hey, it's going to snow. Yeah, I'm like, screw you. You have no idea. Of course, it's only snows in South Carolina for about two hours, and it's melted away. And then it's just flush.
5: And then you all go crazy trying to drive in it because you don't know how to drive in oh. it. Uh, and, and a little dusting Jesus We get a foot whistle uh, driving through it
2: The oh, state it, shuts that's down If there is one snowflake In South Carolina The state shuts down You are not allowed to go to school <laughs> You're done <laughs> Forget about it uh-huh. Alright <clears throat> let's make a couple of show announcements here I, I love talking to you I love talking about this stuff Alright uh, next week we have got Marjorie D.K. she D. Hey, D. hey I spelled her name wrong on the show page okay, earlier. Really, really um, well, that wouldn't be a Hey, H. E. Y. Not H. But she's really sweet about it. Um, that is on the eighth. Uh, William. I hope she is. She, she's well. Hopefully, a-
4: she'll be forgiving.
2: Okay, that did not sound right. She's not decaying, everybody. She's 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 really sweet. You guys are gonna love
5: her. <laughs> we got okay. it. We're good. Okay. Hey, yeah.
2: look. I don't know if I'm drinking bull sperm or bull urine. We're just gonna go with
6: it. All right, and
2: oh, William on the fifth week.
4: Huh?
2: The fifteenth,
4: you got your uh announced. The guest. Yep, on the fifteenth, we're going to have uh, Miss Michelle Murray. Nice. All right,
2: nice.
4: Off- nice. yep, <laughs> author and uh, extraordinaire there, and uh, even uh, with the upcoming launch of a fashion line, among other uh, little goodies and tidbits, we'll be learning about. Cool, very.
2: And then on the 22nd, we have got Eddie, I pronounced it wrong the last time he was on the show, Eddie (laughs) Bergzell. He's going to kill me if he's listening tonight. Anyway, Eddie, he's he he, great filmmaker, loves, has a passion. It's going to be a great... Uh, we're not fully booked. There's five weeks in August. We need another, we need uh, somebody on the 29th. Okay, Uh, we got to bring on Chuck, uh, Tom. No. why <laughs> right, JL, William, and I uh, were sitting on our thumbs. You had one hell of a weekend.
5: Oh, yeah. we three
2: minutes or left. No, I'm kidding.
5: Well, I was at Motor City Nightmares in Novi, Michigan, at the Novi-Sheraton, and in attendance were D. Wallace, William Forsythe, Andrew Diva, uh, um, Courtney Gaines, Malcolm McDowell, a, a whole slew of them, and I sold 50 books, all black bedsheet books. books, uh, nice. a couple of ways for charity. uh William foresight's an avid reader, so I give him a couple books every time. And D Wallace was the one who inspired me. Told me to finish writing In Rod We Trust, so and I did. And I gave her a copy. She wanted one, and uh, like I said, I sold 50 books. It was a great weekend. Had a lot of repeat customers. Thank God for them. They come back every year and ask me what I have next year, or I didn't get this one y'all you know, yet. And they come back, and uh, it's an honor and privilege to keep entertaining them because it seems like I. 60-plus percent or more is uh, repeat customers, and I made some new ones this year, too, or they heard about it. And, oh, and a guy named Daniel Roebuck, he was a character actor on Lost. He had a book when I was up at of mine from Flint Con some years ago, at least five to seven years ago, and he, oh, this is Tom Sawyer. He's a great, he's a famous writer. I don't know about famous, but that compelled okay. some other people to buy my book. So it was kind of nice having a couple actors come up to your table and you know, talk to you. You know, like you're on par with them. They just they treat you like you're, you know, like one of them or something. So it's really nice. It's and then when they say, hey, uh, Tom's a great good writer, Eva. so that's really strokes ego. It makes you feel good and feel like you're, you know, accomplishing something. You know,
6: oh yeah, a well, great yeah. weekend.
5: I think I made more money this weekend at Motor City Nightmares than ever before. Didn't sell more books, but I sold more, made more money. So I know it's kind of a well, sounds funny, so, but so, so here, it's true.
4: So, so here's the the uh, the ten million dollar question. Uh, you know, sorry for the interruption, but it had, it had to be asked. Okay. No so, since you were hanging out with uh, with Malcolm McDowell, did you uh, able to really uh, swing into the milk bar at all,
5: or no? Oh no, he that, that guy must have
4: had five.
5: It seemed like he had about a hundred different pictures that people could buy. He's been in so many roles. I I you couldn't really get near. It was it was a lot of people around to see him. But he was seen friendly enough and walked by and, you know, hey, you know waved and said hi. And, you know, so this is kind of a, I want to say it's an intimate and but kind of laid-back convention because you're not cordoned off from the celebrities. They're there. I think if they ever had a stalker issue, I think all the vendors would probably kill the guy that tried to hurt one of them celebrities there because they're so well thought of and they feel like, everybody feels kind of like family there. It's kind of a good friendly, you know... It's just, those, you know, they walk around and see the vendors, and, yeah, the yeah. villains, I mean, we had all the villains there, and they were just, they're just a down-to-earth friendly, they come by and say hi, and how you doing this weekend, and, you know, so, yeah, just, I, I love this convention, because it's so laid back, and so intimate, and it's like, like Dee won said a few years ago, it's like old home week, you see all your old friends you see every year here at this one, and, you know, that's kind of what it's like, so. It's kind of nice. the centerpiece of my convention season.
2: Yeah, oh, I I do remember really my first convention, and that was the Miss Misery Days of Care, and mm-hmm. it, it it was. You're you're exactly right. It is great. Yeah, I mean, we had Chainsaw Sally, we had the first of the first Jason. I mean, we had. I got him laid, by the way.
6: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> just, just not just her, there. but
6: probably right. <laughs>
2: Yeah, just just throwing it out there. Which, by the way, uh, I did say if I get you laid, you're gonna do a show. So he owes me a show. But anyways, it it was a friendly convention, and the last night everybody got together, and we had a party at the hotel where they were all staying in the cathedral. Eileen Dietz, and everybody was there, and everybody was drinking, and they presented. I, I was actually completely shocked about this. Everybody at the convention, uh, they presented me with a cherry Southern Comfort fifth of alcohol, and they all signed it. Oh, wow. Yeah, Nick nice. and I was the bartender. Yeah, Nick and I mm. was the bartender. Yeah, the first Jason, everybody signed it. Everybody that was at that convention, Chainsaw Sally, oh, we still got that bottle. <laughs> and mm. I, didn't, cool. yeah, I, I didn't drink that alcohol. I was like, I really appreciate it. I don't drink this. I've never tried it. So shots are on me, and they're all like, Yeah!
5: so we all drank that tip. Yeah. yeah but
2: yeah i, I, just, I know talking about a I trying to show. Those it's a,
5: i just it seems like the villains are always the guys that play the heavies the villains you know like i mean you could hardly get near them when once the crowd came in it was like i mean these these i think the people there the vendors especially really love the celebrities that are there because they help pull in people to you know once they get done their autographs they're shopping around and looking around and and when they come over to your table and start talking to you and everything i mean d wallace is a sweetheart william foresight for all the heavies he's played he's just an all-around good guy and they all were they were all you get the conversation with one of them and then a couple of us join in or you know and it's just wow they just you know you don't necessarily need the big stars to have a good time. So, I have to admit, I didn't go to the after party Saturday night because I was just plain tired. And I've been there, done yeah. that. And it's like, <laughs> like man, if I get drinking one or two, it's going to be late to about eight or ten, and, and you know, and so or more. So it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll forego that. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs>
4: But hey, at least he had fun. That's
5: what matters. Oh, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of new people. You know, I, I kind of yeah, It was. Uh, I had a kid come up wanted a donation for a. You know, they were taking you know looking for donations for their fundraiser. So I kind of gave them a book, and then one poor kid didn't have enough money for the book, so I just gave him one anyway. He's a science fiction fan, so it was like nice. you know my experience has been they'll come back the next time if they like it. So, you know that's.
2: And plus, you know, not to mention, you're giving the gift of reading to a yeah. child, if you think about that, too, yeah. that way.
5: Well, uh, you know, I figure a nice gesture, you know, you always kind of try to pay it forward, too, so, you know, yes, exactly. it comes and back that, to you tenfold.
2: That That, mm. that is actually, okay, my, my bull sperm or urine is getting hot, which means that we've kept our guests. Chuck on hold a little bit too long.
5: Okay, sorry. No,
2: not that I'm complaining, Tom. That was great. I, I was just trying to think how we can bring him on. Okay, so without further ado, author, musician, South Carolinian, Chuck. Oh, oh, my gosh, seriously? I cannot believe we're... Chuck, 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 you are lying. How are you?
3: I am great. You left out actor and filmmaker, but other than that, yeah, you did pretty ah. good on that. Francis. it's the bull sperm okay. talking, right? <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: so I gotta tell one. you, I gotta, I gotta warn you ahead of time. And these three men can vouch for me: JL, everybody, uh, William, Tom. If I get fifty percent of it right, we're having a good night. <laughs>
3: Yeah, And Tom, That's by the sure. way, that I sounds guess. like a great convention. Um, may have to try to come up there and do that with me sometime. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, that would be cool, yeah. And on top yeah. of that, Daniel yeah, just... Roebuck is in one of my favorite movies ever. There's a movie called Dudes with Daniel Roebuck and John Cryer about, from like the late 80s, early 90s. Excellent movie. Um, you'll have to dig clarifying. to find it. Um, <laughs> it yeah, have you seen it? Oh, yeah. No, uh,
5: yeah. I haven't oh, seen the
3: movie. Penelope um Penelope Spirit, yes. he was one of her first films. so it's a, it's a great film.
5: Yes. Yeah, Daniel was just like you know, there's next to a couple other celebrities go, "Oh, Tom's a famous writer." It's like, "Well, I'm not famous. Only my name is, but, you know, <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate it." Hey, it, nev- it ended giving, I ended up giving I up giving him a book too just cuz he gave me the free
3: pub and the, you know, those freaking Daniel the props, him. you know. He he Pardon? was the only actor to pull off a Mohawk in multiple movies in Hollywood, say,
5: so. Okay. He, he so deserves some go. props.
6: <laughs> I got a confession to make. Yeah.
2: I had a huge crush on John Cryer.
3: <laughs> I think we all did,
2: Francis. <laughs> <laughs> forget, forget Blaine. What, what is he, an appliance? Give me Ducky. I'll take Ducky over <laughs> Blaine any day. <laughs> Well, yeah,
3: we do. Ducky was like one of us. The full outcast, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and we and funny. probably most people listening to this qualify, right? Exactly.
2: So we were, we were talking about the weather uh, in, what is it in South Carolina? Because you're in South Carolina. Please tell me I got that right. I know I got that one right. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yes. I'm in South Carolina, upstate. So um, it, it was it's 90s today, I think, low 90s. Um, I was inside pretty much all day, so I really – it didn't bother me a lot. I had a theater show today, so we closed a theater – a two-week theater run today. So um, I did that. Then I came home and just kind of chilled the rest of the day waiting, waiting on this, this call.
2: Well, cool. we're we're glad that you waited on. Uh so you got you got this and well first of all let's let's bring it back to the beginning. Cause, uh Joe Moe was a guest on our show last week. And it turns out that Joe Moe introduced you to Nicholas Grabowski mm-hmm. because Joe Moe poor thing is now got a kidney stone.
3: I know. I saw that. I hated that. I sent, I sent him snarky messages, and I hope he appreciated them.
2: he he's, he's got a good sense of humor. I asked him uh, yesterday.
6: Yesterday, I, I was like, "So
2: when are you gonna pass the stone?" He goes, "Hopefully, really soon."
3: Yeah, I, I so think I sent been, him the message. This too shall pass. So. <laughs>
2: So, I mean, it looks like he's got a good sense of humor about it, but it looks and I hate it because it seems like it happened right after he did our show. He was in the emergency room. I think right after he did the show.
3: Yeah, yeah like 12 hours later.
2: Yeah, and then, and then you, yeah, maybe, you, you break your is there, wrist. Is there
3: a curse of the Francis show?
2: That's what I was thinking. You, break you know your I, wrist.
3: I, I crashed. I crashed a car this week. Joe Mo gets kidney stones. We were both talking on your show last week. I don't know about this, Francie. I'm out of here.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, <It> better <laughs> check,
3: check. I better sorry.
2: Chuck. Guess what you got coming there, not.
3: Tom?
2: <laughs> yeah. I do not oh, have right. There's no just, here. Good okay, get
3: get
4: ready for. Francie's gonna get desperate, Tom, and then we're gonna get. Guess what? We have our new guest. It's Bob from Accounting.
2: <laughs> well, here's the deal. Yeah. If anything else happens to Chuck, J.L. William, Tom, and I will promise that we will wear a mask for next week's show. <laughs> <laughs>
4: now you and I'll, I'll do what I'll raise the stakes. Okay, I have two of my Hellraiser masks. I also have a mask based off of Iron Maiden's number of the beast and also one from Full Cheese Zombies. So by all means, uh, feel free to make a choice.
3: Yeah. I have a twilight I've been wanting to still. wear my Jason mask anywhere that it requires it. I've been wanting to wear one of my Jason masks in, but you know, you can't do it without wearing the full you know, you gotta go the full hundred percent. You have to put on the oh, belt oh, suit yeah. and
2: everything. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Otherwise she will just look at you like, What
4: the uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well that last season started will be like, I'm sorry, but the sign
3: said full face covering. Exactly. <laughs>
2: I, I will <laughs> just, say just right trying right to be now. a good
3: American, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I I will say here in California, this isn't even a hot spot, but like the company stores like Walmart I, I wear my mask anyways. I'm vaccinated. I don't. I don't want the argument. You know, the mask isn't going to bother me anyway. And apparently, the Delta them. things breaking out, and you know, people are like, well, they, no, 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 no I don't it, care.
3: It, it, it does them. bother me because I'm literally allergic to them.
6: Oh. When I have
3: to wear them for extended periods of time, my face breaks out into like literally Freddy Krueger style. And I've I've had to get antibiotics twice for that. So yes, I hope we're oh, yeah. going to stay away from the mask when at all possible. I have been vaccinated. Also had the crap last year. I highly recommend people get the vaccination. We said we weren't going to get political on this show. How the hell did vaccinated?
2: Happened? Well, no. Well, this isn't really political. This isn't really political. Like we're not saying yay or nay. You know, we're not going to do it. Yes, we are. I
3: highly recommend the mask and think you're, or I highly recommend the vaccination and think you're an idiot if you don't get it. However, I I also highly recommend people having the freedom of choice in this country as long as possible, and I think that should be up to an individual decision. Boom. I'm done with my political stuff.
2: Exactly. If you don't like what they're saying, walk away. Like Jerry Springer well, used to say when people complained about the show, okay, you don't like my show, change the channel. Change the
6: station. <laughs> that's
2: all you got to do. Well, I, that, I didn't want the no, don't
5: channel
2: No, don't change the Which I did every fun. time
3: that's all Jerry
2: Springer, right? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's all you got to do. Change the channel. Okay, move on. All right, so let's talk about more book chuck. Yes. Which by the way, uh it would be terrible if I said huge ch- I mean, how do you how how do you describe it? Um, I like Charlie Manson. I like movies about you know, when if you say, Hey, I like I like Charlie Manson stories, you're gonna be like
3: Um, oh, that's yeah. what
2: they're going to be like.
3: <laughs> the the difference there's, is you're saying it out loud, and they're saying it behind closed doors. Um, <laughs> that's the biggest difference. I mean, there is a reason that people are still fascinated with this case fifty years later. Um, what would you say that main reason, are, was, Chuck? Um, I don't think there is one main reason. I think there's multiple main reasons.
2: You one know, you've of got everything. He killed the '60s, is what they said. Is he single handedly
3: flower power. Yeah, I, I think that's giving him more credit than he deserves. Um, oh. there was a lot of things going on in the end of the sixties and I cover all those in the book. Um, some of there's a few people that have read the book that are children of the sixties who grew up in that area, quite a few that grew up even in the area that the murders and everything happened that have read the book and said man it's like you were there you know you wow. captured you captured exactly what it was really like then and it's like you were there which is one of the biggest compliments i've received um and but that's what i tried to do i spent seven years researching that book in fact when i oh, first wow. started researching i didn't even I, it wasn't even my intention to write a book about it it was for my own personal interesting for my own personal curiosity and then when you know i'm looking around and i have like half a bookshelf full of notes and books and videos and you know three or four large two or three inch spiral notebooks full of my own personal notes and stuff i go hmm maybe i should share this with people (laughs) yeah welcome to the joys of research um, exactly. You know, uh, um, so from now on, I plan on every book I do from now on being entirely fictional. <laughs> 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 it, it, it was fun, but... <laughs> yeah, I only, I only have so long left if I spend, you know, I think seven years in research and then another year and a half or so getting it done, then another approximately six, eight months after I turned it into Nick to get it published. You know, you're looking at eight or nine years there. I'm thinking I'd like to turn out more than two or three books before the end of my life, you know. Oh, Just, yeah. yeah. uh, yeah. uh, uh,
2: I want to get back to the Charles Manson book here because I, I am totally, I have not read it yet. I'm going to read it because I did say, Nick, when you get a copy of it, please put it in my hands because I want to read it because, you know, I am fascinated. I I watched all the Charles Manson movies. I I've seen all of his uh, when he's up for parole live on court mm-hmm. TV. You know, it's like they said. Yes, you, I've, you I've watched. I've watched every quit.
3: parole hearing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I watched you're, every you're parole hearing. I read That's every
3: transcript.
2: <laughs> yeah, he 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 just got to the point. He's like, "Why am I even here?" <laughs> You're not going to release yeah. me. You're not going to kill me. Come on, exactly. you're going to kill someone. And he was smart enough to exactly know that. Exactly. Yeah, he was smart enough to
3: know that. You know, yeah, but, but it's all. You know, it's the joy of the television part. That's all. Hey, he's still alive. Well, they're going. You know, they were going through the motions. They knew they were never going to let him out. Um, what oh. a lot of people don't know, and what is interesting about this. Um, What I try to tell in the book – now, the book is told through the eyes of a fictional character. He's a teenager from South Carolina that leaves. His life kind of falls apart. His best friend dies in Vietnam. His girlfriend dumps him, and so he just wants to start life over and decides to go all the way across the country. He hears about the summer of love in San Francisco and decides, this is what I need to do. I've been… You know, a good boy all this time, I thought I would grow up and marry the girl that my high school sweetheart would have 2.5 kids and a dog and, you know, live down the street from my parents and work at the same factory that my dad worked for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. fell apart, I mm-hmm. just decided, okay, mm-hmm. I'm scratching mm-hmm. and I'm doing everything differently now. Okay. So the story is no. told through his eyes. But I feel like I tell the most accurate, truthful telling of what really happened that has been put out for mass market publication and has been put for the general public. There's a couple of books out there that have a lot of this information, but they're a lot more for the hardcore Manson fan. The hardcore, and I, and when I say fan, I don't mean fan is in people who think he was a great guy or worship him or anything like that. Yeah,
6: By that's fan, the I mean person, people thing. who
3: have in. Yeah, when I say fan, I'm talking about people who have an intense interest, like myself. I think he was a fascinating human being. He's a fascinating individual. And the murders were only, it scratched the surface. What most people knew and saw of him was just a very small facet of the person he was. And so I tried to dive into, okay, if I were Shep, my main character, if I were him, how would I have reacted in this same situation? you know
2: nice. and that's
3: what i tried to tell that story that, from and a lot of that information of how would i have reacted came from people who were there and how they reacted
2: wow, wow. Okay. So,
6: nice now Chuck,
4: I, I, I i i will first. say this much um when, when it comes to uh putting this together you know first of all you, you already have captured my interest but um I can tell you this much: uh, on, for uh, you know, speaking about with Fran- on Francie's end, because uh, normally she and I would have a uh, a late night prep meeting, like at least a couple days before the show and everything else. And she was so excited to hear that you were going to be on the show that uh, she kind of flubbed up on her words, and it was so funny because she was like, "It's going to be so awesome! Charles Manson's right hand man is going to be on the show Sunday night." I'm like.
6: Was we go prison
4: interview? Said, no. I'm like, wait, he was paroled? No. <laughs> no, but he's from South Carolina, though. So, he, you know, and I'm from South
3: Carolina. I'm like, okay, so how are we going to interview him? Well, he's calling into the show. <laughs> well, and see, right there, a, a big misnomer, a lot of people think. I mean, the title itself is a bit of a backhanded slap at the misconceptions that people have about the case and about Manson in general in the fact Mm -hmm. that you know people say, oh, right-hand man, you must be talking about Tex Watson. Well, no, I'm not talking about Tex Watson. I created a fictional right-hand man because Charles Manson didn't trust anyone. There was no no right-hand man in Charlie's thing. You know, everybody, every guy at the ranch thought he was Charlie's best friend because Charlie wanted everyone to think they were your best friend because he didn't trust any of them. Um, yeah, so he yeah, had that there charisma, was no such thing and
2: right hand man. And that's a lot of things. I mean, people say, "Oh, he was charismatic," but if you think about it, to have that much charisma on, they're saying, "Oh, they're weak minded people." No, they were not real. Well, maybe, but the thing is, is he made himself to be everybody's best friend, and that yeah. does well, that was take his... a lot of charisma. I mean. Let's say you and I, tomorrow, let's do a little project. Let's say you're my best friend. You're You can't do it, but he did.
3: Well, he, he had tons of charisma, which it does go back to, I think, what um, Tom was asking earlier, why do I think people are still interested in this case 50 years later? That's one of the things. I think Manson has way more personality than most of the people that get lumped into that category and you know, people go, oh, a serial killer. Well, Manson doesn't even qualify by the clinical term of a serial killer. He doesn't even qualify.
2: We've never killed anyone.
3: Well, I don't know about that. I mean they're, they're
2: – Well, not on – I think he might just couldn't prove has, it. No. I mean, he,
3: right. He there's no proven –
2: I've never killed no anyone. There's no proven
3: evidence. Yeah, there's no proven evidence that Manson himself ever committed a murder. Um, there's some circumstantial evidence that he contributed to at mm-hmm. least one, possibly more, but you know that's not the same as being a serial killer, which people want to call him and put him in that category and yeah. he 's just not um, now no, if you want to put not Tex not. Watson in that category, yeah. Tex Watson fits into that category um, and which is crazy because that's what you know it's crazy that people don't even think most people you say Tex Watson, they don't even know who you're talking about. You know, Charles Manson, oh, everybody knows evil, crazy Charlie, you know. Uh-huh. And, you know, realistically, Tex Watson's the one who did most of the killing. Who yeah, don't qualify as a serial killer.
2: absolutely correct. You are correct on that statement. A lot of
4: and the whole... Yeah, well, I'm, Manson I'm took gonna
2: all, gonna all be, the I'm, fame. I'm going to get a little cheesy here. I'm going to say, even... Uh, Oliver Stone was, was actually Quentin Tarantino, Natural Born Killers. Did I get a higher ratings than Manson? And Robert Downey Jr.? No. Hard to beat the king. <laughs> <laughs> it is a you great one. It is a yeah, great one. You know, the great one, yes. And that, that's true. And, and even in his death... Uh, when Nick told me that he was doing a book on Charlie Manson, I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> and he started talking to me more about the book and I'm like, Nick, please do this book right. This is gonna be a fantastic yeah. book. I wanna read I it. What makes, I'm excited. I think what <laughs> makes
3: this book unique, you know, there's there's like close to a hundred books that involve the Manson case. I think what makes this particular book unique and different is that it is told more from a narrative. It's like if you were sitting down talking to a member of the Manson family from the sixties and he was telling you firsthand what happened, that's the way the book reads as if you're talking down you know and he's telling you he's telling you his life story and how he experienced and what he experienced during those times. And I put him him into all those real situations, and I tried to tell the most accurate story of those situations that I can tell because a lot of the stories out there – in fact, I would say 90-plus percent of the information that's in the general public about Manson is just not true. It's inaccurate. Uh, A lot of it was built on myth. A lot of it was built to help build a case against him. Some of it, as you're talking about him being the end of the 60s, a lot of that came back through, and it's funny how we can't get away from politics, isn't it? Um, you know, you, you look at, you go, well, everybody knows Vincent Bugliosi, who was the prosecutor, brilliant attorney. Um, I say in the preface of the book, it wasn't, and by the way, the one that wrote Helter Skelter, which is where most people get their information on this case,
6: yeah. it,
3: wasn't, it wasn't his job. to get to the truth. It was his job to get a conviction. So he did everything in his power to get that conviction. Finding the truth had nothing to do with his motive for the case or his motive for writing Helter Skelter. His motive for writing Helter Skelter was twofold. One, it was to make money and become a famous author, famous public speaker, which he accomplished. Two. It was to back up the facts of his case because once something becomes public knowledge, general public knowledge, then it must be true, right?
2: That's what
3: they say. So what I do in this book, although I do it through the eyes of a fictional character in a fictional narrative, I tell what I have through my research, through what other people who have been researching this case for years who were nice enough to share a lot of their info with me, or I read from their books and I did give them credit at the back,
6: <laughs>
3: but um, and talked to some of them. And uh, what I am trying to do is get it truer to what actually happened. Now, was I there? Are the people that were there talking that are still around to talk that would know? No, they are not. Um, Still, through police reports, through coroner reports, through autopsy reports, through talking to people who knew Manson personally very well, multiple people who were very close friends of Manson for many, many years, several of which were kind enough to share um, private telephone conversations between themselves and Manson from his cell with me, I feel like I got a very good story of what really happened and why um,
2: wow
5: that, that's
3: something uh,
2: I, 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 gotta, I, gotta, I gotta say dedication man
3: and spoiler dedication. alert and spoiler alert it's totally different than what it says in Helter Skelter it's a totally different narrative than what you've heard through the mainstream media through mainstream books for the past 50 years
4: oh thank god <laughs> yeah.
3: So yeah. what is what are w- the biggest w- discrepancies?
5: W- really um, being I a homework were... myself, what are the biggest discrepancies <laughs> between the books?
2: I, I, I'm I'm got I, you, I, got I got it I got
5: it I got oh, sorry. Uh, well, what, I was asking what are the biggest discrepancies, say between Helter Skelter and some of the other books in your book?
3: Um, well, most of them follow the Hel- Helter Skelter narratives. You can probably throw about 75% of them in if you've read Helter Skelter. You've read 75% of the books out there. And I'm probably being generous. It's probably closer to 85%. Um, the um, the killings were not random, for one. you know They were painted as being random. They were definitely not random. They were where they were. They did what they did for reasons. And they had reasons for being at both locations. Those reasons were connected. That's another one of the things that's a misnomer is that, you know, everybody said that the two killings, the LaBianca slings on the nine and then the tape slings on the eight, that those two were not connected. Those definitely were connected. And I tell you how they were connected. And like I said, they intentionally were heading to both locations. I don't think – at least the first night that they were going there to kill anyone. I don't think I don't think Manson told them at the ranch, hey, go kill these piggies up on the hill as it's been said before. Um, I think the killings happened as reaction to some other events. I don't want to give too much away. You gotta read the book. Well commercials, read the book. Write the book. But, but that's, but that's nope. one of the ma- – those are the major you know the major things is that um, I'll tell you why they were there, what I think they were really there, what my research has said that's really there. Can I say it's 100% true? No. Um, a lot of the information came from people who were in the know. Um, okay. Well, so now
2: uh, – okay. Chuck, wait. Chuck, I do have somebody that believes in the book. Okay. Nicholas Gabrowski, I told you he's gonna call in, Chuck.
3: <laughs> Here Nick. I am. Hey, yeah, hey I'm Chuck. Glad, I'm glad you made it through your documentary. I, I hope you learned some stuff.
1: Oh no, actually, I uh, I had that playing in the background. I was working on uh, uh, some black bedsheet stuff. I just uh, just released the first book of the year, so now I'm on that. a roll.
3: Congratulations. yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah. David Gresky's whistle stop. So yeah, now yeah, I'm working to on up. the
1: next one, the one after that, and and furthermore. And everything. And, so but the said, documentary said, that I was listening to in the background, it was about uh, mostly about why certain religions think that uh pigs are filthy and don't eat them at all. But uh you know, it's a topic for another day. I bet you Charles Manson loves pork.
3: Um, actually, Charlie was mostly a vegetarian.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Oh, the the only times that they would eat meat at the ranch. Now he he was totally against wasting food. So if they if someone brought meat, or if um, they you know they did garbage runs where they would go, hang out behind the upscale supermarkets and stuff, and when the supermarkets threw away stuff that was beginning to go bad or you know, the top layer might have you know, a loaf of bread might have a little mold on it or whatever, they would go dumpster dive get their food from there, take it back and then you know, fix it for the whole commune so if perchance they threw away meat that was still good um, sometimes even on ice and stuff it was just, you know, it had been there all day and instead of the store putting it out again for the next day, they just tossed it in the dumpsters so the girls would take it back to the ranch and they would cook it since Charlie did not believe in wasting food, then at that time he would eat it. But in general he practiced a vegetarian lifestyle for most of his life.
1: Oh wow, no no hamburgers, no bacon. Everybody <laughs> likes bacon. Nick, you he
3: cannot
2: eat I'm sure bacon there was some.
3: Mm-hmm. There was uh, definitely some uh, there, I'm sure. But yeah, in general he practiced and promoted a vegetarian lifestyle. I thought I saw somewhere
5: some years ago somebody made a comparison between Manson and Hitler and their similarities. of vegetarian was one of them, and how they got their people yeah, to do things that they wanted to to. Is there accurate? Is, is there accuracy in that, or is that a fallacy?
3: It's it's accurate, but it also could be that could be compared to millions of people.
5: Well,
3: you know that could be. There's millions of people that do those things. I mean, you know, half Hitler the people you probably, meet in your life as a manipulator. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, Hitler oh, probably oh, liked uh, like Goose. Hitler probably liked Goose, though, I heard, because in the end, his goose was cooked. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, oh, my God.
6: <laughs> what <a thing. laughs> or,
1: or was it? I Maybe can that's hear, another. I can hear JL oh, right.
2: laugh in the background. I love J.L.'s laugh.
3: Oh man! I'll
2: <laughs>
3: be willing. <real>. Again, <Yeah>, I, <laughs> I sense think sense. that that's some propaganda that was also pushed by Bugliosi was by the prosecutor, is that you know Manson was fascinated with Hitler and Nitski and all this stuff when it again just really wasn't true. Manson was he struggled he he was um he had dyslexia, so he was not a super avid reader, so I can't see him reading the Communist Manifesto honestly. Mm-hmm. Could someone have told him some stuff about it? Yes, did he take classes? um you know he took the um Carnegie courses when he was in prison. He graduated from the Carnegie Institute with you know the so he he definitely liked, but at the same time he was a con man, and if you're a con man, then what do you want to do? You want to learn how you can con people better, yeah. yeah.
2: I'm sorry, guys, that's not a major uh, alarm for the world's going to end or uh, blog talk radio is going to end. That's the alarm that Nick set at this time every night. Oh, you must be in
1: the kitchen in there. Yeah, I I haven't
2: uh, done
1: anything to the clock yet. It's it's, uh, time for their medication.
2: Yeah, yeah. I thought maybe somebody realize, had like an was old Pfizer medication. Mm-hmm. So sorry about like that. i an old
3: Space Invaders machine in the background. Oh. Them. I thought Nick was playing Space Invaders <laughs> on his on his Atari oh. 2600 <laughs> that he saved from being a teenager. <laughs>
6: uh,
3: I, I, cool I was, was, I was the on the phone with my mom and that alarm went off. She's like, "What the hell is that?" And I'm
2: like, "Ah." Uh, crap. It's time to give them their medication, but they weren't here anymore. So that Oops. was sad. It's just sad alarm. No, uh, no. Anyways, uh, no. Nick, we got you here with Chuck. Chuck, you're here yeah. with Nick. What made you, Nick, say, oh my gosh, I'm going to publish this book?
1: Oh, well, that's easy. Number one, it was Charles Manson. So given... Uh, given that element, and I publish horror, and it's popular. That's what first got it got my attention, and then actually reading it. And number one, how well it's written, which is what I always look for. And um, a- and if I can market it separately from all those other ones that are out there. So, you know, there's a lot, but you know, number one, it's just up my alley. And number two, uh, it's it's because of uh, how well-written um, it was. So, I mean, it's a big testament to Chuck's writing. Uh, it, I mean, it, it could be a Charles Manson book, but it could be a crappy Charles Manson book, and it, it wasn't that. So, so yeah, it, 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 was an easy, it was an easy thing. And then we, we got hooked up because Chuck contributed to one of the Days of the Dead anthologies edited by Joe Mode that I published, and one thing led to another. So, you know, that's that's kind of how everything all hooked up and stuff and Yeah.
3: Yeah. And Nick probably doesn't nah. remember this because he deals with so many people and all but he was he complimented my writing very much for the short story that he had published. And so when I contacted him and said, Hey, I'm kinda of working on this project, would you be interested when I first told him he's like, Well, what you can tell me a little bit about it and I'm like, Oh, well, it's a Charles Manson book and you know, I gave him a Rough, rough thing, and his response was, uh, there's a lot of Manson books. I don't know if I want to do this. Send it to me, and I'll see if I can hook you up with somebody. <laughs> and then like three days later, I get a message back from him going, okay, I'm sending you a contract. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
3: Change of plans. <laughs> now,
2: uh,
4: now, now I, I, Chuck, one what, what, what thing that um, oh, Okay, go ahead, Francis
2: Oh, I was going to say, if Nick compliments you on your writing. Oh, hold on. Can we continue this? Uh, because uh, there's something I want to say. And Live Talk Radio, we're going to have our after party, and we can still talk. But I want the fans to hear the the song. Uh, Chuck, one second. You're, your song's number one.
3: Yeah, it was number one last week on the independent internet radio um, NM1 Music, which does um, independent music releases online. And, yeah, it was the number one power pop song in the country last week. Well, congratulations. And what is the name of it? Yay. It was called Everybody's Broken.
2: All right. I got it.
3: So changing gears
2: just for a second because I want people that are listening to the show live right now to make nobody hang up we'll get back to Charlie Manson but I I want uh, people that are listening to the show live right now to hear the song so Chuck give the introduction come on sell it
3: um, this one's called Everybody's Broken. It's on my brand-new four-song EP called Girls and Cars and Things That Matter. It's available on Amazon and on iTunes and Apple Music and Deezer and everywhere else that you can buy music online. Just search for Chuck W. Chapman, and it should pop right up there. So was that good enough? That yep, was perfect. That works.
2: By the way, yeah. I, I like the look because you kind of look like Tom Cochran. I'm gonna hit it to like... <laughs>
3: My eyes. The lucky star.
0: And without a doubt You know it's just your foolish pride
3: Really oh, good, I like the effect. Thank you, man. Yeah, I like I like the effect you put on the end. I probably should have really ended it that way.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really like this song. It's like I said right before it played, it kinda gives me that Tom Cochran you know. Okay. I'll, I'll take it. I, I hope I I love Tom Cochran and that's why I'm saying it gives me this um the Tom Cochran feel. I think it's an amazing song. Your vocals are on point.
3: Thank you. Yeah, I did all the vocals on there. I I play guitar. I wrote all the songs. I play guitar. I did all the vocals, and I did the final mix on it and on the production, so... So it's, even though I had people play the leads and the um, bass and the drums, it's it's really a solo album, which is the first time I've done one of those. I've released a few things with bands over the years, but this is my first quote-unquote solo album. So, well, that's impressive. Well, that's,
4: definitely good work. I mean, that's that, that,
3: yeah.
4: Great song. Thank you, man. No yeah,
3: I really liked it too. Mm.
1: Awesome. Now, yeah. I, 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 now, I, I was very impressed. I oh, check. I've I've seen you play guitar like on um on uh Facebook live and stuff like that. But I never okay. heard like a whole band background with uh with you.
3: So that that yeah, was yeah, impressive. It's, it's a little different. Yeah, I try to write for band. I um, and my stuff's really I've done a few acoustic things and I'm doing one actually this coming weekend, um next Saturday out on out on out on the left coast there. You're the left coast, right? Yeah, I'm the right coast, yeah. So um <laughs> So we're going to be—I'm going to be at the Santa Susana Park, and there's a little festival that's happening out there, and so I'm coming out and doing a set. So I'll be playing the stuff off the record. So if anybody's in the area, Santa Susana Park next Saturday, you know, around noon-ish, noon to seven, I think, and come on out—it's a free, a free festival. It's called Family Jams Day, and I'll be there. And there's also an awesome band called Indiana that's going to be there. So. Should be a good time yeah that well. sounds
1: great you know you know what before I uh, I forget this this uh, thought in my head but you should write a song based on the book that's told through the perspective of somebody that was there with Nansen
3: that's oh, an my interesting God. concept oh yeah, yeah oh, my God, you do. You something. hey perfect perfect segue you just set up Nicholas I very well may do that for the soon to come audiobook release of family man
1: i was going to mention that
3: yeah so um, yeah. just starting to record that this week and have been given some permission through one of manson's friends who i've also befriended who is a wonderful guy named ben garecki who gave me permission to use some of manson's actual music and recordings that um he acquired um and so I will be using those also on the audio book for transition. Actually, some real music played and sung by Charlie Manson. That, that's awesome. Nice. Now that is incredible. now uh,
4: spe- speaking. Of, speaking of which, um, something I've always been curious about, uh, and you know, with um, in terms of Manson and music. Outside of the famous uh, connection with Pet Sounds, has your research uh, come up anything, um, you know, possibly any other people um, within the area besides the Wilsons, and the Beach Boys, uh, that you, know, oh, you yeah. might have been you, you know, associating with?
3: Oh yeah, I cover that in about four or five chapters of the book. Um, oh, but to just throw just to do a, a little bit of name dropping for you there, obviously Dennis Wilson. Um, Terry Melcher, who you know was the previous um, resident of the CLO drive house, which other people had hypothesized that because he rejected – supposedly, quote-unquote, rejected Manson's forays into the rock and roll scene, that the killings at the Tate house were in retaliation for um, Melcher's rejection. Totally not true. So we refute that in the book and explain how that's not true. Um, oh. But to not drop a few names for you um, – Obviously, the Beach Boys, the Mamas and the Papas, um, Frank Zappa, Neil Young. Um, so there's some off the top of my head, the big names, that just off the top of my head, oh. I can tell you.
4: Hmm. Well, I'm glad they mentioned Zappa. because I mean, that's one thing I've always been, uh, you know, I've, it's always been my own personal theory. Cause I can I I honestly see him kind of following the same wavelengths as some of Zappa's thought.
3: Of process, You know, so there are rumors. These are un these are unproven rumors. There are rumors, however, that there's some Manson music recorded and buried in some of the early Frank Zappa recordings. Well, no,
2: really,
3: wow! Well, like that, it's a rabbit hole.
2: You know, going back, to, we
3: keep going back to the first question, but it makes sense in the fact that everything in this case ties into something else and takes you in on a different path. Um, again, that's what keeps Manson so interesting all these years because he did have—you've got everything. You've got sex, you've got drugs, you've got rock and roll, you've got Hollywood. What else do you need? Murder, mayhem. Hey
5: Chuck, is it true what they said about the Beatles' White Album being some kind of influence or on Manson, or is that just uh, Bugliosi, uh trying to add more fuel to the fire on prosecuting
3: him? Um, to quote Manson, which I do quite often in the book, in fact, a lot of the conversations between Shep, the fictional character, and Manson are taken from actual conversations with Manson from other people. So a lot of the quotes attributed to Manson in the book when he's talking to Shep really are his actual words. Uh, um, to quote Manson on that, um, man, that ain't my generation. being Crosby was my generation. Mm-hmm. So, so you got to oh, well. think, you know, um, Manson was in his thirties. Manson was like, you know, early thirties at this time. I want to say thirty-three, thirty-four. I don't have notes in front of me, um, mm-hmm. and I've honestly kind of stepped away from reading anything because I spent so long working on. It. I'm fifteen years mentioning. older than most of the others. Yeah, he was easily 15, fifteen years older oh, than most of the other most of the people there. Um, the I think he did like the Beatles. I think he appreciated the Beatles. Um, I think in some ways He felt that they were Attuned to each other However do I Think that he worshipped the Beatles And and that was Helter Skelter wasn't even Helter Skelter was a Philosophy but it wasn't A plan it was not A motive for murder Helter Skelter had zero to do with the murders Interesting
5: yeah. Yeah,
2: tried to say that.
4: that,
5: that even, but oh, go ahead. Well no, I was gonna say they tried they to say that, but just you know, like uh, they've seen all kinds of clues and race war and all that, but that, that that must have been just to help their shelter with Booleosis.
3: Well right everything again, everything ties together. Remember Manson spent most mm-hmm. of his life in reform schools and prisons. Um, yeah. Never for any major violations, which also should raise a red flag when you think, okay, this guy went apeshit and started killing people because Mm -hmm. that's not generally what happens. People tend to escalate. Now, there's obviously exceptions, but in general, anyone that's familiar with serial killers, which again, Matson's not, but um, with that, if you're assuming or thinking that he is or justifying him as that, serial killers tend to escalate. If you look at Manson's crimes from the time he was a kid like 6 7 years old until everything previous to the murders into this whole situation nothing was ever he wasn't violent even in his um psych evaluations and stuff for the prisons in general they said he wasn't violent you know it was all stupid stuff it was stealing cars it was taking underage girls across state lines it was stealing government checks out of mailboxes. You know, it's petty criminal stuff, running hookers. You know, it's petty criminal stuff. And generally, people don't jump from being a petty criminal to being the mastermind of some of the most notorious murders ever committed.
5: You no, think he had, not at all. Do you think he truly
3: had a Messiah
5: complex like it was
3: alleged? No. I think that most like most men in their mid thirties that had a chance to be around people a good bit younger than him that looked up to him, he relished being kind of I don't even like using the term leader in that sense, but I think he looked up to being, you know, of kind of the lead figure. Center kind of attention? Um Yeah. You know, and what yeah, musician doesn't work. want to be the center kind of yeah. attention? You know, what person that, you know does that kind of thing. Like I said, if you write books, if you play music, if you're an actor, just any kind of entertainer, which Manson was, anybody that's ever saw an interview with him, any of the famous published, you know, Geraldo, Diane Sawyer, any of those interviews, they can tell you Manson's an entertainer. You know, so anybody is an entertainer. Yes. You know, anybody that's an entertainer, you're going, you're going to thrive on that attention. You know, you just got out of prison. You've spent most of your life in prison, and all of a sudden, you have access to multiple attractive young women. What are most men going to do? Well, see, it's definitely not Disney World. You know, yeah. when
6: you're well, in you San Francisco.
3: You know, when he gets out of prison and goes to San Francisco, it is like he's gone to Disney World. Free drugs, free girls, free sex, free drink, whatever you want, it's there for you. The guy thought he had died and gone to heaven, you know. (laughs) It's it's the regular Um, smorgasbord. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, only of women and drugs and alcohol. Right. Um, Another misnomer, you know, Manson didn't like hard drugs. He smoked pot. He liked natural drugs. You know, obviously he was a marijuana smoker and seller. He was um, he would do peyote in the desert. Um, he would do um, the nat- LSD type drugs. You know, hallucinogenics. But when it came to things like cocaine and stuff like that, he didn't even want them to have them at the ranch. Because he said that wasn't, you know, that wasn't mind expanding. That was mind altering. He was all for mind expanding, but he was totally against mind altering substances. Interesting. Oh, wow. Oh.
5: wow.
2: I, it, you know, and I mean, and that's a, that's the thing that makes uh, Manson interesting is because you learn all these new facts about him every time you look at something and. The prison guards, I mean, Charles Manson, in his cell, he made a lot of artwork just out of his hair. He made a tarantula spider, and it wasn't a matter of the guards smuggling things into the prison. They were smuggling things out of the prison
3: to sell on eBay
2: made by Charles Manson. Exactly.
3: Um, those spiders were actually made out of his socks. He would pull the um, strings from his socks and do those. Um, scorpions were his big thing. Now, he did several different animals, but scorpions were the main thing, and they're beautiful. They're amazing. I mean I can't they're even yours. imagine how he sit there them. and pulled his socks apart and did that. I mean, you know, so you've got to give him credit. I mean people can think what they want, I like, said, I'm not trying to convince anyone in this book that Manson was a good guy. He wasn't. He was a criminal. It, he did bad things. You, you,
2: you can't. Um, it's, it's like it's like we talked about at the beginning. It's like, oh, my gosh, you're, you know, you can't say you love him or you hate him. I know when he passed away, social media is like, burn in hell, devil, and all this, and you're kind of thinking, poor guy. It,
3: yeah, it's wrong. Well, like I mean, well, he was portrayed even yeah. even on this show. We uh, even on this show we've already had the Hitler comparison, and there is no comparison. It, it, there really, there is really is no comparison, is but he was no. I mean, into that category. And you know, he was a very complex individual. He was a very intelligent in a lot of ways. He was very creative. Like I said, some of his art is phenomenally good. Some of his music, Uh I think, is extremely good for what he had to work with. People hear a lot of his stuff, and they go, oh, he can't play guitar. That sounds like crap. And what these people aren't realizing is that he's doing this stuff in prison. He doesn't have access to guitar tuners. He doesn't have access to new strings. In fact, they're usually going to be nylon strings because you know they won't let him even have the steel strings usually. Occasionally, they would let him have them later in life, I think, but… You know, for the most part, he's making do with what he has.
6: You and know, he, some of the
3: songs – I mean, the know, fact, you know, that, the Beach Boys,
6: the fact that the Beach Boys
3: cared enough to record one of the songs – well, actually, the songs. but um, And they were on the 2020 album, by the way, not the Pet Sounds album. So if anybody's looking for those, the Manson songs are on the 2020 album. Um, and that now, was the one – the primary one that you'll look for on there is one called um, "Never Learn Not to Love." That one was the one that it's tie- it's um, credited to Dennis Wilson, but it's a it's a Charlie composition. Um, it, it was taken from Manson's song called "Cease to Exist." Um, Dennis Wilson switched a few words around, and they changed the structure slightly and changed the melody slightly, but it's. That's the manson song, which does factor into the- motive for the killings by the way wow now um
4: i, I, I know um obviously he um you know he's no Hitler as we've definitely summarized without a doubt, but yeah, because I' was um,
5: asking a question because there's com- some people what, have compared him to that, but
4: you, you know. know what what, what, what do you, do you think maybe um a, a safer parallel of comparison could probably be uh Possibly uh, Jim Jones only a few years later after, the,
3: after uh, all the murders? Not really because that puts Manson into cult leader, which is the other thing that he gets called and accused of being, which he wasn't as well. Um, again, people, especially people in our time, people literally from the late 70s especially through now, they see – that, oh, here's this man, and he has all these people, quote-unquote, following him and living with him. That is uncommon now. There's places it still happens. There's people – it's still happening today. Um, but it was extremely common in the 60s. The late 60s, communes were huge. They were all over the place. In fact, they were all over that area. Um in California was notorious for them. There's multiple communes that happened at that same – around that same exact time who had the same exact kind of situation, only they had much larger. A lot of these would have hundreds of people, quote, unquote, following them, um, where Manson at the most – at the height would be around 30 to 40 and really more like a dedicated 15 to 18. So if he was this great cult leader, he really wasn't very good at it.
6: This
2: is this is so impressive to me. Honestly, oh. this, honestly, this is like the great. You've done your research, and I thought I did my research. In fact, when I was <laughs> in college, and I seen, uh, I I took film uh, art and one thing um william said uh say good night for me at the end please uh he lost his wi uh we uh, so anyways uh here's the thing uh, i'm getting messages because. <laughs> No, this is yeah. very impressive. You are dedicated. Yeah, if anybody if
3: you're getting if anybody sending in questions or whatever, feel free. I'll do my best to answer anything the best that I can.
2: Oh. Okay, here here's a question for you, Chuck. I want to book you again because I want to pick that brain.
3: <laughs> well, certainly.
2: <laughs> I... I how about the 29th? Uh, let's pick this back up on the 29th, because I know that you got a lot to say. And I'm loving it. <laughs> Ask Nick when, uh, when he talks to me about it. the book, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, yes. And then I got slick a little bit, and... Uh, you know, I wasn't doing the show, and he's like, "Hello, do a show, get Chuck on, Chuck, Chuck," and I'm like, "Yes, I want to get Chuck on, I just gotta get better." I'm sorry. Yeah, I kept I'm telling, I kept
1: telling to, uh, uh, "You got to do the show, we got to get Chuck on." I've been like promising him that. since uh, almost a year ago.
3: Yeah, since it came <laughs> well, out. things were kind of crazy. Yeah, they
2: yeah. do. Oh, and I, I gotta tell you, uh, Nick, 100% believes in you. Well, I, I, that. I that seen Nick. So I seen him reject stuff, and he's like, oh. nope no, no. You, he was like, yep, yep. Get Chuck on the show. <laughs> get Chuck on the show. Get. And we're revamping and he's like, Hello, I told you
6: about
3: Chuck and I was like, Oh yeah. why so do you want Chuck Well sure. Uh-huh. Maybe we'll have 29? a Maybe we'll have a tentative release date on the next book by then, which will not be about Manson.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I wanna try to get talk.
3: your next book out by the uh, by the end of September. That would be amazing. I'd love to have it by October. That would be great.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I'm going for.
3: And the shows the convention start again around here, I do need I've got to come up and I, I need to get let's let's get together off the air, Tom. Um, okay. Because yeah, maybe we can swap some books and stuff. So I'd love to read some of your stuff and you know look cool. at some convention schedules and stuff, and maybe we could even. Share share a table and make Nick chip in a couple of bucks on it or something. Hey. Ooh, call, call, calling yeah, calling the publisher okay, right. out on the yeah. air. I'm probably just got cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, uh,
5: okay. the okay. Night like I said, is a very it's a nice laid back. It's kind of a laid back, cozy, intimate. You know, it sounds like a cool show. Convention. Really it's has. in a Novi Sheraton Hotel, and um, it's it's we pretty it's pretty, it's pretty decent, so,
3: you know, but yeah, I'm open to it, you know. Sounds great, man. Yeah, we'll we'll talk some more off the of air. Okay.
1: Hey, you oh, know, what would make a, hey, you know, would, uh, make a great movie is uh, uh Charles Manson is in prison, and he becomes friends with Michael Myers in prison, and they both <laughs> have conversations, and Michael Myers wants to get out and. And uh and Charles Manson is trying to uh talk his wisdom and, and but they have a we'll, relationship we'll
3: collab on that one. In, behind go. bars. <laughs> you get the permission, we'll collab on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: so Chuck, would you be I I didn't know there was five months uh five weeks in August. Would you be interested on the three nights?
3: Sure, sure, that should work.
2: Um, All right. something,
3: I, I'm not. Tom? I'm not looking at my calendar right now, so just yep. in case that something's up, I will let you know. But that should be fine.
2: All right, uh, Chuck. Um, I'm going to do my uh, best southern accent because I try to do the northern thing now. And Tom and uh, you know, Tom is from the north, and he said that's totally shocked. So, I'm gonna try my southern draw on you. Are you ready?
3: I guess I'm ready.
2: Ah, right. hey, y'all, you know what That is not a playboy get out of the tractor trailer now. The tractor tire that is not a play no don't oh my gosh, I say don't okay, okay, I don't Hold know try you, you just. A
3: Maybe you just need to stick with that nondescript thing you have going on there.
2: Because you, you're don't kind of the southern the I don't know where I'm from.
3: <laughs> like I said, just hey, just go with hey, it. Go with that wait, nondescript. Kidding,
2: get out of the. I never had a southern draw. People in South Carolina were asking me, "Where are you from?" here (laughs) no okay hey y'all oh i do hate that word does that make me bad
3: um no but it's a great word even even webster agrees that it's, it's a good word now
2: it's sure for you all you know what's funny is, uh, I took Spanish class and my uh, professor, Dr. Perez, I can say his name because him and I were still friends. After so many years of torture, he goes, ay, 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 Francesca, what is wrong with you? No wonder I can't teach you Spanish, you don't even know how to speak English.
3: That's Yeah, I struggle with English, so I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll just try to perfect it before I move on to anything new.
2: Oh, my gosh. You should have heard my Spanish. It was <laughs> terrible. I run on the chalkboard that I, well, try erase board that I own the gas. All my Spanish. Uh, People would say, you own a gas station? And I said, no, I like this gas station. They said, no, you... Oh, <laughs> uh, I got so many problems. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been a great show, Chuck. You have been amazing. I oh, promise yeah. when we get you on you. the 29th, I will not drink full... Y- Oh, what do you think? Is it urine or sperm? Sort of jammy. I've never
3: I've never tasted either, so I'll just have to defer to your judgment on that.
2: It's 180 milligrams Ooh. of caffeine.
3: You're going to be up all
5: night.
2: I am. So, Fran-
5: so, Francie, are you saying your drink had little <laughs> you I- a little wing to it? Did you say wing or wing? A little wing
1: to it.
2: Yeah. I <laughs> I think I've got a lot of wings wings. Char Char's gonna yell at me. He's already pacing back and forth 'cause he puts me to bed. Yeah. Nick, do not open up that can of energy drink in the fridge.
1: Oh no, I'm not gonna I'm not into energy drinks anymore uh any uh the last time i had an energy drink i i went to this one place that had all kinds of different kinds of uh chicken wings like buffalo wings and stuff and i went in there and i uh i bought a red bull and then i still stayed at the counter and the guy was saying look. and i said well i'm waiting for my wings it says red bull gives you wings so i'm <laughs> waiting for my order you give me some free wings i just just never mind I can't believe i said that out loud
2: Honey, that was so cute. You see what I have to live with every day.
1: That is not something to um, to market when you're when you're actually serving wings. Oh wow, what was that?
6: I'm standing outside
1: on the side of the house. I think I saw a possum, Francie.
6: I think oh, that was a, a baby He's possum. a
1: the baby possum. It looks like a big rat. Oh. Well, we need something to barbecue tomorrow, so no, I'm just kidding. No,
6: no. Hey, there you go. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. We, we, got, we, got, uh, uh,
1: we got dogs cooking in the microwave. I got dogs cooking in the microwave.
2: <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like a new song to-
1: right there. So it remains. <laughs>
2: Chuck, there's no dogs cooking. All right. We are about
3: to be cut off. Love you guys. Thank you That's so good, much Jeff. for having me and look forward to being back on in a few weeks. We'll pick this up. Oh yeah. Where where off.
1: can we, uh, uh, before, before we all go, where can we find you Chuck?
3: Um, Chuck W. You can find me on pretty much every social media at Chuck W. Chapman. Um, so, Chuck W. Chapman on everything. Also, the book is available on Amazon and all, let's say, barnesandnoble.com, most online retailers, blackbedsheetbooks.com, of course. Um, the music is available on Amazon and also on all the online streaming platforms. And feel free to reach out to me on social media. I mean, I try to respond to everyone. Um, send me a message. Don't just send me a friend request because if I don't know you, I probably am not going to approve you. But if you send me a message and tell me, hey, I heard you on the Francie show, or hey, I'm interested in your book or music or whatever, then I definitely will approve you. I just like to have people tell me why they're sending me this request so that I know I'm not getting weird I'm going to send you a friend request. Awesome. Yeah, definitely do that.
5: I'll do that. All right. I can get through to my stuff.
2: And I promise, uh, Chuck, I promise I will not drink bull sperm or urine, we got to figure that part out. (laughs) I think
3: that would probably be good for your health for you not to do those things.
2: Yeah.
3: Yes, it would. Uh, Wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Especially if you're doing it freshly. I'm sitting here bouncing my legs. Yeah. I'm sure drinking
3: the canned version is better than trying for the fresh version, but still I think I would stay away from that. (laughs)
2: Well. <laughs> I'm going to drink a pumpkin spice. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, good night, everybody. I'm he's not going
3: to sleep for a week. <laughs> good night.
2: I probably night. will not. I can feel my heartbeat.
3: <laughs> At least you know you're alive.
2: There you go. That's the bright side. See, that's True. me. We got no money. Yeah, that's well, a good thing.
3: That's like, you know, as long as you're screaming, you know you're still alive.
2: There you go.
3: I tell <laughs> myself that every day. <laughs> that's, that's words to live by.
2: <laughs> that's a beautiful day. All right. Love you guys. This has been great. Uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody.
3: And thank you for having me.
2: Thank you for being here. I I loved it. Uh, Thank you, William. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Nick. Jay Alpatello. Yeah, he fell asleep. Not (laughs) because of the show. I'll try try to
3: be more excited next time.
2: (laughs) All right. No, no, you, you were great. You were a great guest. You were fantastic.
3: what is what is all this that. factual stuff? I don't, I don't want to hear that garbage. Give, give me some fiction.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm looking fiction forward to day. it. I cannot wait to have we're you back on the uh, show. We're going to start putting
1: some of. We're going to start putting some shows on YouTube too. We're awesome. going to like yeah, go definitely. back into definitely. the archives and and add like uh, you know visual stuff to go along with it. It's going to be groovy. Oh, very cool. Cool. Oh,
2: which by the way, uh, I've got the number of views to set up to where I can make money on YouTube. I just need the subscribers. Uh, yeah, I'm so in the same ballpark with my to channel. subscribe, I'm only a few hundred subscribers away. If okay. you subscribe I will definitely do to that. me, I'll subscribe to you. Perfect. I, know, I got a video that's like twenty three thousand views.
3: Yeah, my biggest one is I have put one up of I spent a night in the Lizzie Borden house and did a did a documentary from there, and I think I'm into like seventeen thousand on it. So it's it's done really well.
2: Nice. Wow.
3: And I'm going to be spending a night, or not spending a night. I take that back. I'm going to be hanging out for a few hours next weekend at a place called the omen house which is owned by a guy named david omen and it is three houses down from the kate residence on cielo drive so i'm actually going to be on cielo drive next week so which is kind of cool
2: nice i thought thought it would be the omen
1: house from the from the movie the omen yeah that's what everybody
3: thinks that's why i had to clarify that real quick (laughs) <laughs> so, but, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, Ghost Adventures has done stuff there, and, you know, every, every one of the big TV shows have been there. It's it's an interesting place. It, um, they claim it's a portal and has multiple hauntings going on there, including supposedly the Ghost of Sharon Tate. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what goes down there. That would be
1: great. So you should leave under- a copy behind, a copy of Family Man behind. Uh oh, I'm going just in case this.
3: I've already Yeah, I've already told um, David, the owner, that I would definitely bring him a copy, so there will be one in there. Groovy. That way if Sharon and Tate is
1: in there, she can flip through it too.
3: Yeah, she may tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. So,
1: um, <laughs> no,
3: unfortunately she wouldn't unfortunately she wouldn't know either. I think she was more kind of caught in the crossfire of other people's plans, other people's things. I think she was, for the most part, an innocent victim. Ah. Not everybody was, but I definitely think she probably was for the most part.
1: Yeah. Well, not everybody is either, in general. <laughs> right,
3: right. Yeah, some. Not saying that anybody brings that sort of thing on themselves, but sometimes you put yourself in situations that open you up to worse things than other people put themselves in those situations. So, Yeah. You know, like, I've always told people I will never get a DUI because I will never drive drunk. So, you know, if you do drive drunk, then you're in a lot higher percentage of getting a DUI than I am. <laughs> yeah, Awesome. If you...
2: Awesome words to if, live by.
3: And if if you get drunk, you are in a higher percentage than I am. So, so that's what I you know. Like I said, nobody brings murder obviously or anything like that on themselves. But a lot of times, the situations people put themselves in contribute to bad things happening to them.
2: You know, one thing that was funny, uh, me and Michael Carlo, you, you've heard of Five Points because you you live in South Carolina, you know what Five Points is, right?
3: Um, in Columbia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've played. I've played many, many. Yeah, it's many like a mile towards
2: the bars. Yeah, and
3: yeah, Michael
2: you're, you're Carlo, down... he got. Yeah, and I was 21. Michael Carlos never been to Five Points. He heard of it. I did not drink that night. We got a flat tire, and Michael Carlos did drink that night. I was a des- I was the driver, and. Uh, Yeah, we got a flat tire, and he had that van, and the spare tire was underneath the van, and I was trying to get the spare tire out to put it, and we got pulled, and in the van, in the cooler, in the back, very back, they found open bottles of wine, and we were drinking it, and... Yeah, they were pressing us and I had to pour out the bottles and I did not know that they were there and (laughs) Carlo's like, no! Stop pouring those out! Carlo, (laughs) I'm not going to jail. I'm driving. Dad. Don't know where that came from.
3: Yeah, I used to play a place down there called the Elbow Room. I don't know if you remember it. It was a very cool little venue down there, right there in the middle of Five Points.
2: I do remember that.
1: Did they serve elbow macaroni?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't have eaten there,
3: but it was was a good Uh, venue. It was a good place to play. They always had a pretty good crowd and, you know
2: the but elbow room was when, that it, when it
1: when it got really crowded when they when it got really crowded did it have any elbow room
3: <laughs> it, it did yeah, not and that. i really think that that was probably where the name came from totally spitballing here but i'm imagining that's where it came from it, it's always so tight in there that you barely have any elbow room oh, uh,
2: that was the two-story bar right and uh, the the staircase to go upstairs was so small.
3: Uh, there was a downstairs. Um, I think that was just where people went to smoke dope and stuff. Um, I don't think there, the was, main club was street level, but it did have a basement that had, like, you know. I, I, only I, went basement I like didn't more.
2: the a room. Rockefeller's—that's where Hootie and the Blowfish got their start.
3: That is one of the places. Yes, it is. We used to play those same clubs. I played there the same times they did. So what? It
2: what? Oh yeah.
3: Hey. Okay. It, if it
2: was okay. A... Hey, listen. Completely... Listen. Wait. What? Thank
1: you. Francie, if, if it was a if it was a Mexican archery place, it would be called the uh, uh, Elbow.
2: No, no, you don't know how big Rockefellers was. What? what? That's where Houdini yeah, no, no. the and their start. What? You played at Rockefellers?
3: Well, it was it was one of the many places. Oh, now, we God. played at a lot of the same places that they did. they they did the same club circuit we did. We played the good old money in Rock Hill, which um Darius Rucker made famous by I think it was an M T V interview or something. Someone said what's the best part of, you know, signing the record contract and getting famous and all? And he said that we never have to play the elbow room or never have to play the money ever again. So we uh, yeah, played the money.
2: they played the elbow room too.
3: Oh, I'm sure they did, yeah. I said, we, we were on the same circuit pretty much, and, and wow.
2: so,
3: yeah, they had a great formula. You know, they had a very talented black singer that did not sound black, and that's worked forever. You know, I mean, that's what one of the big things that got Elvis, people interested in Elvis, was, you know, it's a white boy that could sing black music. You know, and it worked, and Madonna, they,
2: the record company didn't want to let the public know that Madonna was white because, they wanted to book her as R&B. Um, and Nick, he told me, he and the blowfish, Darius Rucker, rock me, baby, like a rod and wheel. will <laughs> oh, oh, you I love I not like that. I don't like
3: Okay, no no more bull sperm for you. you got to cut her off, Nick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, no more, no more of that. I can't believe that you drink all that. I just
3: cannot
2: believe it. It. Okay, are, are we
3: still on? The show's not still on, is it?
2: <laughs> we're we're after party. <laughs> this. Is... All right, let's cut it out because you are. It's one o'clock your time.
3: Yes, almost.
2: All right, Chuck. I'm not going to go to bed for a while. <laughs>
3: Well, I'm going to be Good up night. for a while too. deadline. Good night. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. We'll do it again soon. All
2: right. Awesome. Man. Thank you. I was okay. Awesome. Awesome. Good night. Don't.
3: Good night. Good, Good enough.
2: Good night.
6: Good
3: night.
1: everybody. Good night, John Boy. night, Mary Ellen.